The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Blehan Jr., and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in a fight from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV, Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles and San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV, Channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado, as well as from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus coming soon. A landmark in Kali for over 95 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada Bilagbaum on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr., in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins. That is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. We begin the musical portion of our program by calling upon our church choir under the talented direction of Assistant Choir Director Rose Bahaku Carter to sing that uplifting and toe-tapping rendition of Glory, featuring Sally Spotcalf on the flute. The choir will be accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano, Rose Bahaku Carter on the organ. 
Yes, viewers, with thankful hearts, we sing unto our Lord Jesus Christ for all he has done, going to do, and coming soon to meet us in clouds of glory. Please join us and sing along using the words on your television screen. Coming up next will be our energetic church band under my direction to play that inspiring and moving selection, To God Be the Glory. 
praises and glory all belong to God, for He is our Lord that blesses us with talents, gifts, strength, wisdom, and understanding. For He giveth, and we receive.
We now call upon our soloist Seneca Rose Han to use her God-given talent by singing a heartwarming rendition of Thank You, Lord, for Your Blessings. It is our Lord Jesus Christ who fills our heart with genuine joy and contentment. He makes us to know the true blessings that fills our days and nights with fullness, which only He can give. Seneca Rose will be accompanied by Tiare Summers on the piano, Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, Iris Lock on the drums, and Trustee Associate Pastor Edwin Spoke Sr. on the guitar. We call once more upon our church choir to sing their final number for today entitled, To Dwell in Unity. 
as we are baptized in Jesus' name by immersion according to Acts 2.38 and are filled with His Holy Spirit according to Acts 2.4 and live according to His Word, we become a part of the body of Christ. We dwell one with the other in unity, bound by His Holy Spirit, dwelling together in peace and harmony until His return for His own. The string section of our church band combined their talents to produce this moving and enlightening melody that speaks to our souls for comfort and strength. We reach out to our Lord Jesus Christ when we are struck with grief and horrendous news. For only He is able to reach down deep and into our hearts and heal the broken pieces. And we respond to His mighty touch that it is well with my soul.
And now we call upon the vocal group, the Jubilees, to present a spirited and upbeat rendition of He'll Deliver Me. The inspiring words for this song sends out a mighty message of remembrance to all and recall the many deliverances and miracles that our Lord Jesus Christ had performed, having faith and believing on Him. He is our Creator, Deliverer, and soon-coming Bridegroom. Christy Hahn will accompany the Jubilees on the piano. We would like to dedicate this song to a faithful couple in the Lord, Mr. and Mrs. Kenneth and Leslie Oligan. We pray the Lord will lead and guide you as you serve Him. The Lord Jesus Christ bless you in this life and that to come. Have a wonderful Sunday.
Shalom and good morning. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States who are viewing audience, especially if you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV channel 28 in Eureka, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino, from 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV channel 11 in Monterey, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR-TV channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah and parts of Nevada and Wyoming from 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado, from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, Services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing service at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer service are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At our Kaimiki Branch Church located at 1361 Paloa Avenue, gospel services are held Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. L. Verio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Landy K. Y. Asanos in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espero in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espero in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you decide to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donation to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to turn our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. We all need comfort, strength, guidance, wisdom, and solutions to the many and unending problems we encounter in our daily lives. What better way to address our human perplexities than by seeking and turning to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to fulfill those needs? I thank you for joining us in today's telecast. I sincerely pray the Lord will touch your hearts, and the sermon I have ready for this telecast entitled, Forgiveness, will be that important step in the right direction in which you seek. There's no question about it. Jesus was the greatest teacher, preacher, and healer. Wherever he went, the multitudes followed him. He spoke to them in the most simple way so that the ordinary layman could understand him. He spoke of things in which they were interested. He spoke about the sower planting the seed upon the hillsides, and the farmers knew what he was talking about. He spoke about the prodigal son leaving home 
and every father and mother knew what he was talking about. After 2,000 years, his teachings still hold the greatest truths ever entrusted to men. In Matthew 18, he speaks about conversion, Christian conduct, and the forgiveness of sin. Jesus, while on his way to the cross, was thinking of his suffering and death. But the disciples were not thinking of dying. They were thinking of a worldly position and honors. They thought that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom and share the honors with them. Thus, they questioned him. We read Matthew 18.1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Instead of rebuking them for their selfishness, he dealt graciously with them. We read the second and third verses. And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become his little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Instead of gaining high places in the kingdom, they were told that they couldn't even enter the kingdom unless they became as little children. This doesn't mean that Christianity is something that is childish and immature. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I was a child, I speak as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It means that to become a true born-again Christian, one must be childlike in faith, spirit, and sincerity. The haughty, the proud, the self-righteous man is never saved. Before one can be saved, all of his pride and self-righteousness must be put away, and he must become as humble as a little child. Consider as an example the case of Zacchaeus. He was perched in a sycamore tree, and Jesus spoke to him. We read Luke 19, 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. In other words, from your pride and your haughty spirit, for today I must abide at thy house. Zacchaeus came down quickly and received Jesus joyfully. We continue reading verses 8 and 10. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now this was an example of repentance and forgiveness. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus, being a tax gatherer for the Romans, was hated by the Jews. However, he observed the Hebrew standard of rectitude. That is, five oxen had to be restored for a wrongly taken, or four sheep for one unlawfully taken sheep. Jesus shared a parable of the Pharisee and the publican, who trusted solely in themselves, were self-righteous, and despised others. Two men went up to pray in the temple, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Listen to Luke 18, to 14. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The Pharisee stood and prayed 
and was not talking to himself in his self-righteous pride. He was blind to his own sinfulness, and since he asked for nothing, he received nothing. What is conversion? It means the turning of his soul from sin unto God. In its active sense, it represents the action of one who is instrumental in turning or converting others. We read Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Let us remember that no two conversion experiences are exactly alike. Several blind men were given their sight by the Lord Jesus. One man said that the way to receive sight was to have clay put upon the eyes, and then the eyes had to be washed in the pool of Siloam. We read in John 9, 67. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation means sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. Another said the way to receive sight was to be touched by Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus received his sight by faith, as we read in Mark 10, 51-52. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Bartimaeus could do nothing for himself, but his faith was that Christ could and would open his eyes. Now, these are miracles performed by the Lord Jesus, and he is still performing wonder-working miracles today. Once they were blind, now they can see, and after all, this was the most important matter. It doesn't matter whether one is in church, in a tent, or in a home. The most important thing is to be converted the Bible way and be truly born again. If one has not already done so, it is of the utmost importance for that individual to concede to Jesus in full repentance to receive forgiveness of sin. True repentance is to profess godly sorrow for sins committed. However, repentance is only the initial step towards full salvation. One must go beyond that and be baptized the Lord's way. Keep in mind, you do not have to be rebaptized. Oh, he exclaimed, I did not realize there was such a thing as the Lord's way in baptism and in the salvation of my soul. Let me assure you, there certainly is. And one of my purposes here and now is to ensure that you are apprised of it. There was a certain Jew named Apollos who fervently edified the Lord, but there was one critical flaw in his preaching. However, in Apollos' favor, we must concede that he was unaware of that flaw. Listen to Acts 18, 25 to 26. This man, that is Apollos, was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Apollos was still exhorting John's baptism, unenlightened of both the baptism in the name of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Ghost. However, because Priscilla and Aquila had accompanied Paul extensively, these two knowledgeable companions set Apollos on the right path. From that time forward, Apollos preached the gospel in its fullness, informing those he encountered on all that had transpired. We read in Acts 18, 27 to 28, And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he might have convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. 
Paul himself set things in order as he traveled while preaching the gospel. Listen to Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Thus we conclude that there certainly is such a thing as the Lord's way, or the only correct way in salvation. Today, we are fortunate to have Bible scriptures to confirm this. Jesus said in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I send to thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Another pertinent scripture is Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This significant scripture focuses on the entire cycle of salvation, repentance, baptism, the remission of sins, and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Furthermore, Acts 4.12 distinctly declares, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In other words, outside the name of Jesus, one cannot be saved. How does a man know when he has been converted? Well, his desires and tastes are changed. The things that he once loved, he now hates. The things that he once hated, he now loves. He knows that he has been converted by being born of water and of the Spirit. And God says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He that believeth on the Son hath life, and he that believeth on the Son is not condemned. The Philippian jailer asked this question, What must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas replied in Acts 16, 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they were baptized, he and all his house. Now, of course, conversion means a change. Yes, viewers, if you are not a changed person, if you do the same old things, commit the same old sins, and go to the same old places, there's reason to doubt that you have been converted. We read 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The new man is a regenerated man and is distinguished from the old man by having become a partaker of the divine nature and life. And in no sense is the old man made over or improved. The new man is Christ formed in the believer. Has your life changed since you met Jesus? Jesus went on to warn those who offended a young Christian or caused him to stumble. Let us read Matthew 18, 6-7. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. I know some parents today are committing this crime. 
They are not living the life and therefore become poor role models for the children to follow. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. The adage also goes, train by example. Jesus spoke of the church he was going to build and said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He gave instructions regarding discipline, which had to be exercised in that church. If a brother or sister backslid, the strong had to try to win him or her back to Jesus. Suppose one member has trespassed against another. Then the offended party is to go and try to straighten out the matter, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, 15 to 17. Moreover, thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take one thee, one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Today, we don't do this in our churches. And what is the result? Nothing but confusion and division. Let all things be done decently and in order. We read the Lord's word in Matthew 16, 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This same promise was given to Peter. It seems to refer to church government or the lack of discipline among the members of the body of Christ. The context clearly shows that the disciples were promised that their actions on earth would be a matter of discipline among believers in Christ Jesus and was to be counted as correct in heaven. We come now to one of the greatest prayers in Bible. Let us read Matthew 18, 19 to 20. Again, I say unto you that if two or you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall last, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. What a wonderful promise. No matter where we are, but be it on a trip or a tour in the Holy Land or on the deck of a great ship, when God's people meet, they will not be alone. He tells us, I will never leave or forsake you. My presence goes with you. Peter asked a question again. We read Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. In reference to forgiveness in the teaching of rabbi men, we're told to forgive others anywhere from one to three times, but never any more than that. Jesus said unto him, as you read the 22nd verse, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. In other words, our forgiveness is to be absolutely unlimited. Forgiveness is an attitude. We are always to be in a forgiving spirit. It is true, television viewers, when God forgives, he forgets and removes sins as far away as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. You must never bear a grudge or have a vengeful spirit. Now, if you like Jesus, and if you want others to see him in you, your spirit must be one of love toward all men, even your worst enemies. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 43, 44, you have heard that it had been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The 48 verse reads, be therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. Obviously, while we are on this earth, we retain the old nature. We are not perfect. That is not as perfect as God and Son. They portray sin as perfection. Though not perfect, we can be fully developed 
insofar as we progress along the pathway to heaven and Christ's presence. For example, an apple may not be due to ripen fully until October, but it may be perfectly developed in September. Jesus gave another of his incomparable parables. A certain man owed his king 10,000 talents. The king was about to sell the man and his family into slavery to pay off part of the debt. But the man pled for mercy. We read in Matthew 18, 26, 27. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, what did this man do? We read in verse 28, But the same servant went out and found his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. But the man said, I don't have the money. But be patient, and I will pay you. However, the cruel man would not, but went and cast him to prison till he should pay the debt. When the king heard about it, he called the man and said, I forgave you a great debt. Why couldn't you forgive the man who owed you $15? Listen to 34, 35 verses. And his love was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brothers their trespasses. Now listen to the application made by Jesus. He said that God would punish us if we would not forgive others. What others have done to us is nothing compared to our sins against God. As we remember how much he has forgiven us, we see how completely unchristian-like it is of us if we do not forgive the little things that others have done to us. Today, many of God's children are in that category because there is someone whom they will not forgive. If God has forgiven us and we have been saved by grace, we ought to forgive others. God says, I have forgiven thy sins. I will remember them no more. But we say, I can forgive, but I can't forget. If God can't forgive and forget, why can't we? Paul, before his conversion, was a Pharisee. He was aligned with a group who promoted the law to the letter and considered it to be the most important thing in the world. Paul carried out the Mosaic law and all its traditions. In doing so, his heart became cold. He served God with his lips, but his heart was far from him. He kept the law to the very lid, but he consented to the murdering of two born-again Christians. Listen to Acts 8, 1-4. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men and carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women committed to them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. But one day on a dusty road to Damascus, he met Jesus. He was converted, regenerated, and made over by the transforming power of Christ. God forgave Paul for the murders he permitted to happen, for creating havoc in the church and putting women and women who worshiped this way into prison. In the end, Paul became a new creature in Christ Jesus. He separated himself from the old life and the old ways. He fellowshiped with the saints of God. He was separated from the world and entered the world of Jesus Christ. He still loved the old group and longed for their salvation, but he was forever separated from their beliefs and their way of life. If you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review these telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Blehan Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. We conclude our telecast with a number by our church band entitled, Are You Washed in the Blood?
preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.